We are continuing in our series of Simply Jesus. And last week we looked at the nature of the miraculous side of Jesus' ministry. We dealt with the blind man in Jericho, where Jesus asked him, asks him the question, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, God, or oh, Jesus, I want, Lord, I want to receive my sight. And Jesus healed him at the moment, uh, at the spot. Uh, <clears throat> this morning, I'd really like to focus on a different um, side of Jesus' ministry. And um, it has to do more with the way that he taught, the way that he presented truth and the way that he, he led people to, to embrace God's kingdom. And um, one of the things that we're going to be looking at is a very popular passage. Before we do that, I just wanted to remind ourselves that um, God has been teaching us some good things as a church. And I just don't want for them just to be snippets of information. Uh, one of the things that we did two weeks ago was that we had the prayer week. And again, I don't want to dwell on that, but I just want to celebrate the fact that as God's people, we prayed. And I know that not all of you were able to, to, to make it, but I'm just thinking of the, the, the power that God has in answering his prayers. So as you've noticed on your notice sheet, that one of the things that we prayed um, last, well, the week of prayer, was that God would provide somebody who's going to come and lead the ministry of CAFE. And um, as we've been involved with uh, interviewing and uh, appointing, we've really, Emma, Jenny, and I have been really surprised and how, in how God has provided the person at the right time when we've needed. So I just wanted to throw that in, not just for simple information. I just wanted to throw in that we're praying. And one of the things that... I think everybody prayed or it was mentioned throughout the whole week of prayer was that God would provide somebody for cafe and God has answered our prayer. So I just wanted to celebrate the fact that God has been answering our prayers. So that's great. The other thing before I want to, before I carry on is that um, today is the last Sunday for my mum before she comes again. Um, she wanted to share something, but she is too nervous to share so um, on her behalf, I want to extend uh, my gratitude for the way that you have blessed us and have blessed her uh, during her time here. I'm going to go with her just to accompany her, but also try to establish the partnership that is going between WIBA and uh, the Baptist Union of Albania. So I'm going to be there only for two, two days. I'm coming back on Wednesday. So, um, but would value your prayers for that and value your prayers for my mum as she is really struggling to, yeah, to go back. Um, let's move on to the passage. Um, simply Jesus. Thank you, Father God, for your word. Thank you that although it's ancient, it's got so much potential and life in it. And my prayer is, Jesus, that we 
not only become stewards of good information that comes from your words, but we become, Lord, transformed people for your glory. And we know, Lord, we recognize that we cannot do this without your spirit. So would you enable us? Would you teach us? Would you reveal yourself afresh to us by the power of your Holy Spirit? In Jesus' name, amen. So let's open our Bibles in Luke chapter 4, and we're going to be dealing from uh, verse 14 to 29. As I said, it's a very popular passage. Um, Luke kind of, until the first three chapters, he talks about the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and in Luke chapter 4 is basically the start off, the, the, the kickoff of what, what, you know, Jesus has just returned from um, his 40 days of fasting in the wilderness is just the beginning, the set-off, the kick-off of Jesus' ministry. And um, verse 14 begins like this. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on Sabbath day, he went into synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you'll quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. And you'll tell me, Do hear in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly, I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the lands. Yet, Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath, in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet none of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd. And went on his way. 
God's name be blessed through the reading of his word. So here we've got Jesus beginning his ministry. And it goes to a very popular area. Actually, he goes to his own neighborhood. The city or the town or the area where he grew up. And actually, in the area where people not only knew of him, but they knew of his mom and dad, they knew of the setup, he knew of them, and so forth. So, there is no surprises here. There's no surprises until he goes to the synagogue, where again, there is a lot of interaction there because people knew of him, they knew who he was, they knew how he had come up to this stage, they heard of him, and all of this. And then he begins to pick up a scroll, and he reads in the synagogue directly from a prophecy, which is written in Isaiah chapter 61, when he talks about the coming of the Messiah. And to this point, everybody has been astonished. They've loved him. They've really acknowledged the fact that this guy is different. And then he reads the prophecy of so many hundred years ago. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. favor. And this day, this prophecy is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, saying this into a synagogue... It's quite, quite amazing. It takes a lot of guts, especially if you're surrounded by people who really knew the law and the prophets. And the tradition was that every time in the synagogue that the law and the prophets were read, whoever was reading from it would stand. And Jesus reads this, and then he sits down. I would have loved to have been there. I really would have loved. Because I think you can see really here that Jesus is coming from a place that he knows where he is. He knows his credentials. He knows his qualifications. He knows that he has been given a task and he is the only one who can take this task to completion. How does Jesus start? The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Fantastic credential. Because he has anointed me. And the moment the word anointed is used... Well, the Jews could easily identify with it because it was the Messiah, was the chosen one, was Christ, same name. And the moment he he kind of exposes himself to this, he's just 
really hitting or he's really punching them at the right place because he knows that he's not got time to waste. He knows that he's not going to mess around. He knows that he has come to complete a task that is given to him. And he's going to be doing that on the right credentials. And that's why he's got the guts to say to the crowds or to the people gathered at the synagogue that actually this prophecy, this what has been said 700, 800 years ago from another Old Testament prophet is going to be real in your midst today. And what are you going to do with it? It's amazing how Jesus uses his credentials, uses that power of the Spirit that he began his ministry with and is going to take him all the way to the end of his ministry on earth. How he declares that from the beginning when he introduces himself. He goes to them on the right credentials. He reaches out to them on the right credentials. The Spirit of God is upon me. I am anointed to do these things. And then he goes on to what God has asked him to do. Pondering a little bit on the credentials, I just wonder that we as God's church get hooked on the wrong credentials. I have not shared the Navy story for a long time. The Navy base was in my home city. And there was a part of the Navy base that was very close to where my dad worked. Because he worked for the merchant Navy. So the big docks, you enter through the same gate. And growing up, or being... um, a son of a top engineer in the docks, I could enter the docks just by saying to the police or to the guard there on the door that I'm the son of such and such. He'll slap me on the back of my head and off I'd go to see my dad. Until I was in the Navy. I could not use the same kind of lingo or the same kind of credentials to enter the Navy base. I had to use the credentials that the staff chief had given me to enter this special part of the Navy base. If I would have said to the Navy guys there saying, hi, I'm going to enter here on the bases because I'm the son of such and such, they say, so what? But if I would say that I've been sent with this piece of paper from the staff chief to enter and meet this certain officer or bring this certain report, then I would have had all the doors open. And I want to bring that into the illustra- as an illustration to what I'm trying to say, that sometimes as God's people, as God's church, we get hooked on, on the wrong credentials. And because we've got get hooked on our wrong credentials, we find that some doors are being shut. Or we find that actually there is no fruit. 
we find that we are just plodding on. And I really want to bring that in here as we think of what God has called us as a church family, as a church community. And on what power, on what credentials do we do what we are doing? Do we do it on, is our credentials our history? Is our credentials our bank account? Is our credentials our capability of being so well organized and so um, affluent or so well-to-do people or so um, busy with what we can? What is our credential based on? And I think one of the ways that Jesus is trying to teach us with his ministry here is that in God's business, in God's kingdom, we go to reach out to people not on our own capabilities, not on our own credentials, not on our own fame, not on our own popularity, but on the basis that we are rooted on this great God who's given us this great task, who's given us this, his own self, his spirit, that is going to enable us to do his work. I want to throw that question of credentials because sometimes, not only we get hooked on on the wrong credentials, but sometimes we get distracted by others' Um, others' credentials. We really get put off what is going on in the political world. There is a mess right out there. You, you, you name a country that you, you start to worry about, and you think, well, the big problem is politics. I'm going to Albania tomorrow, and I know that one of the things that is going to come up in the conversations with people is that the political situation is a mess. And I... I believe that sometimes these messy political situations serve as a distraction to the church. Where they should be the springboard for us to say that, guys, don't set your hope on politicians. Don't set your hope on systems that are a failure. But we've got a better message. We've got the message that you ought to set your hope And the one that we believe and sing and claim and proclaim that is the hope of the nations. The one who can save the world. The one whose ministry was anointed and was to bring good news to the poor, good news to set freedom for the prisoners, to recover sight of the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And I think this is where we're missing out as God's people. If we do not take those credentials, if we do not focus ourselves that actually The gospel truly is the power of God unto salvation for whoever believes. Then I think we are in the wrong crowd, guys. We are in the wrong crowd because this is not the mandate that was handed over to Jesus and his ministry here on earth. And this is not the mandate 
that Jesus handed over to his followers. Jesus did not say go and make spectators of all nations. Jesus did not say go and make admirers of all nations. Jesus said go and make disciples. And go and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. So this credentials, this, this potential that the church has, and it's, it's really hidden away there and scared and with, with the bad reputation that we've had for years. I'm just saying, we need to wake up. We need to wake up and count the cost, really. Because the other thing that I wanted to, to say, thanks, Andy, you, you're helping with that. The, the second point that I've got here is that there is an element of mission which is non-negotiable in Jesus' way that he deals. He reads the scripture and he says, this prophecy is being fulfilled in your midst now. Today. And I think we miss out on that. I think particularly the church in the West spends a lot of time in talking about the history of God. Talking about the eschatological side of things. And we lose track that actually there is an element of God's fulfillment of his word and mission in the now. It's in the now. Today. Now. Jesus says Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. God is not only God of the past tense or of the future tense. God is also a God of a present tense. And this is the God that I want to embrace myself. And this is the God that I would love for us as a church to embrace. That actually, God, what are you doing now? How are we going to set the oppressed free? How are we going to bring the good news to the poor? And we talk about those conditions that Jesus is mentioning. Yes, let's talk about the physical conditions. But I want to extend it and say, these are the spiritual conditions as well. The word for poor is the same word that Jesus talks in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are bankrupt before God. And they're saying, God, we can only rely on you and accept what you're doing. Blessed. He has to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Recovery of sight to the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is amazing. And the same spirit that was on Jesus Christ. Is the same spirit that Jesus promised to his disciples. That they were going to receive it after he would leave this earth. 
And he was going to give them the power. He was going to give them the power to do these things. And I want to suggest this morning that I personally, as Marky, want to believe more today into the power of his spirit. If we really want for this proclamation of good news to be good news for the poor. If we really want to proclaim the, the year of Lord's favor. Here in Westbury Park, in the city, in the UK, in Europe, everywhere. Do you see God's mission here? Do you see his heart? And the last bit that I just want to remind ourselves is that in doing this, somehow in God's economy, even for Jesus, the outcome was personal. So when Jesus declared this into the synagogue, this had a personal outcome for the listeners. It had a personal outcome for Jesus as well. And I just want to stop and ponder a little bit on that because I think this is one thing that I struggle as a human being. The outcome here is that people's Attitude towards Jesus changed from embracement, from a wise guy, from a, what they use a word, um, maybe it's verse 13 and 12, that they, sorry, 22, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. And five verses under that, they want to throw him off the cliff. Rejection. Now, I struggle with rejection. But Jesus did not afford, or sorry, did not bother or did not deal with the idea of rejection on the basis of what he could afford or not. He dealt with the rejection on the basis that this was the task that God had given him and he would rather be faithful to God regardless of what the synagogue guys thought of him. Regardless what his co-neighbors thought of him. Regardless of what the synagogue leaders thought of him, regardless of what, you name it, thought of him. And I just wonder whether rejection is something that God's church doesn't deal, with, doesn't deal well with in this day and age. Especially when it's jeopardizes our popularity. Especially when it has to do directly with something that deals directly with me personally. And I want to throw that in because this is one thing that I really struggle myself. That's by nature, I'm a people pleaser. 
And by nature, I would go the extra mile just that I don't come to that place of being the, the door shut on my face and being thrown under the bus. And when it comes to the ministries, and when it comes to, 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 to our life of discipleship, it's really, really hard because you are torn between two things. You're torn between the life that you want to live out by pleasing God at the cost that you're going to let people down because they don't have the same gospel values as you do. And I want to encourage us today that as we have a time of worship and we're going to have an opportunity to pray here in the corner for those who, who, who wants to, as we deal with this, I just want to go back to what Jesus said. That when Jesus introduced himself, there were two things that he said about himself. It was his reliance on the Spirit and his reliance on the stamp that God had given him, the Anointed One. And that is extended to his church, where we, as God's people, can rely on his Spirit. And as God's people, we are set apart to reach out this world with the good news. Perhaps you're sitting here today and you're thinking, well, I'm not sure if I've hooked on the right credentials. I'm not sure if I've hooked on the bad credentials. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, actually, this element of now, today, really frustrates me because as a person, I like to think that I'd like to do this when things are a little bit more ready and that will be very soon. And that time will never come, actually. Because we can never be ready to meet God's grace. That's why it's grace. That's why it's his free gift to us. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, well, actually, the outcome is personal and perhaps I'm not prepared to pay the price of rejection, to be more blunt. And God is reaching out to us this morning. By saying that I've given you my spirit. I've given, I've poured oil over each and every one of you heads. To do, to continue, to maintain your walk with me. And I hope that our attitude is not the one of that synagogue but that we all jump in and embrace him. Because this world, because our neighbors, because our loved ones need to hear about Jesus. Let's pray together.
you, Lord Jesus, for your spirit in us, in our midst, present to enable us. Thank you for your anointing. And thank you, Lord, that we've got both of these because of what you have done for us. So we do come to you, Lord, on the basis of your death and resurrection as people who recognize that sometimes, whereas I speak for myself, most of the time I get my credentials wrong. Have mercy on me. Sometimes, Lord, I get the synchronization with your heart for mission wrong. And I leave it for tomorrow. And that tomorrow never comes because I'm too busy in today. Have mercy on me, Lord. And your spirit was called the helper. So we reach out to your help, Holy Spirit. For those times where we're going to be rejected because we have claimed a truth of your promise and your word. Thank you for being at work in our midst. Lord, as your people, as individuals, we want to declare the year of the Lord's favor. For this community, Noah's Ark preschool, for cafe, for all the daytime activities, for youth, for our children, for schools, for our places of work, for families, for neighbors, for neighborhoods, for this city, for this country, for this world, for our politicians, for those that we like and those that we don't like. Lord, help us to understand and realize more and more each day what it means when we sing, Jesus, you are the hope of the nations. In your name we pray.